The following podcast is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. What's up, PTB Nation? Welcome to the PTB Champions League Review Show. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinu, here on the PTB Media Network. That's right, the Park in the Bus Media Network, and it is Champions League time. And today, we are reviewing the four quarterfinal matches that took place last week in the UEFA Champions League. That's right, different format this year. Due to COVID, obviously, due to the COVID um, outbreak this year, the tournament is being organized much differently, and we have a format known as an Elite Eight format, where the eight quarterfinalists go to, in this case, one city. Okay, everybody's in Lisbon, Portugal, a city that's so near and dear to my heart, a city I love wholeheartedly, and between two stadiums that I can I can attest because I have driven from one to the other in the three or four minutes it takes that are they are literally walking distance from each other uh the two stadiums that is that are being used in this year's edition of the uefa champions league this elite elite eight format that is in place for this year and this year only single elimination for the first and probably only time in the quarter semi and um, well, the final is always a single a single match, but that's the way it it is organized this year by UEFA. That's right. So we got four matches to t- to talk about today. The four quarterfinals. We've got Paris Paris Saint Germain versus Atalanta. We have Barcelona and Bayern Munich. RB Leipzig and Atletico Madrid, and of course Manchester City and Olympique Lyon to talk about. Perhaps not in that order, but those are the four matches we are talking about today. All right, I hope everybody is having a good time. I hope everyone is enjoying this uh, summer of soccer, if you will. This 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 um, just flood of football that is on our television screens right now um, from all around the world as everything gets back going. Yeah, the stadiums are empty, but you know what? The match on the field, the on the field. The the game of football is still football in its purest sense, and I love this sport with or without fans. I am thoroughly enjoying this, and this unique experience of seeing the late stages of the Champions League play in single elimination are giving uh, are giving hope to teams that normally have very little at this stage. So. Uh, I don't think we're going to see this again because I don't think the big clubs are going to allow UEFA to do this again. Plus, it doesn't make the same monetary sense that the traditional two-legged knockout stages make. Um, Those are more profitable, obviously. But for Lisbon, Portugal, this is pretty cool. They've got eight teams and eight sets of supporters traveling to their city. That's right. Supporters are in the city. They may not be in the stadium, but they are in the city. And um, we'll talk about that in this episode as well. All right. We're going to take a quick little break. And when we come back, we're going to get into the first quarterfinal, Atalanta versus Paris Saint-Germain here on the PTB Media Network. This is the UEFA Champions League Review Show. 
welcome back to the PTB Champions League Review Show. We're going to get started with our first quarterfinal. Alright, and this is from Wednesday, August the 12th. We are at the Estadio de Luz, the Stadium of Light in Lisbon. And um, Englishman Anthony Taylor is the referee. Let's go to the starting lineup, starting with Atalanta. In goal, it is Marco Sportiello. Three across the back and a 3-4-2-1. The three in the back, Rafael Toloi. Mattia Caldara and Berat Jmisti across the back. Four in midfield, Hans Hattenbor, Martin Derun, Rumo Freeler, and Robin Gossens with Mario Pasolic. Alejandro Gomez and Duvan Zapata in the front. And four, Paris Saint-Germain, coached by Thomas Tuchel, of course. Kaylor Navas is the goalkeeper, the Costa Rica international. Four across the back, and they're 4-3-2-1. Sorry, they're 4-3-1-2. Tilo Keher is the right back. Thiago Silva and Presnel Kimpempe are the two center backs with Juan Bernat as the left back. Three in midfield under Herrera, Marquinhos, and Idrissa Gana Guay. Neymar is playing in the traditional number 10 position with Mauro Icardi in front of him to the right and Pablo Sarabia in front of him to the left. Let's go through the ticker as this, this match was one um, of heartbreak if you're one of the neutrals and many, many neutrals were behind Atalanta in this one. Um, a lot of romantics got behind the cause of Atalanta and a lot of you I know believed that Atalanta could go on to win this trophy and to break the reign of the, you know, the, the big, big mega clubs. Um, and it got off to a good start. And here are some of the some of the background facts coming into the match. Atalanta had overcome Valencia 8-4 in the last 16 prior to the coronavirus enforced shutdown while PSG saw off Borussia Dortmund uh, coming from behind to win that tie. Gian Piero Gasparini's Atalanta were one of four teams in Serie A in 2020. I'm sorry, we're one of the form teams, in informed teams in Serie A in 2020, though their campaign ended with a 2-0 defeat to enter on August the 1st. PSG, meanwhile, were crowned Ligue 1 champions af um, after the season in France was aborted, essentially was ended early, though they have only played two comp competitive fixtures since March. However, they were two cup finals, with Thomas Tuchel's side coming out on top against both Saint-Étienne and Olympique Lyon in those two, in those two um, cup finals. Now we move ahead, and Gasparini made two changes from the At Atalanta side, which were beaten by Inter in their final Serie A match of the season. Goalkeeper Pierluigi Golini, who suffered an injury, um, and right wingback Castagne were dropped. In come Sportiello and Hatteboer. The big news for PSG coming into this match is that one of their talisman, Kylian Mbappe, has made the bench after he recovered from an injury suffered in the win over Saint-Étienne last month. It was a huge boost for the side from Paris, for the Parisian side, as he was thought to even be out for quite longer. Um, 
Tuchel made seven changes from the side, which started in a friendly against Sochaux on August 5th, their previous match. The teams are in Lisbon, like we said, and um, for the, and both teams are trying to get into uncharted territory into the semifinals of the competition. Uh, will it be the Parisian side or the side from Bergamo that gets in? Well, these are two two clubs from two of the worst infected cities in this coronavirus uh, pandemic, two of the hardest hit areas. And it, were, it was Atalanta getting on the attack straight away, uh, but that their first move in the second minute snuffed out by PSG, who worked their way forward until... Um, without real, without really testing their opponent, that was Atalanta, of course. And Atalanta has a chance a minute later as they break at pace. The ball played down the left channel into Gomez. He gets a straight shot on, but Navas is there. We move ahead through, and it is minute 26, and that is when Cinderella takes the lead. That's right, the darling team of the competition. Atalanta, ooh, they go ahead with a strike from Pasalic, who has curled a wonderful effort beyond Navas, who could only help it. And Navas did everything he could to, to save it, but um, only did enough to help it. And Zapata bundled the ball through him, and Pasalic showed no hesitation. Atalanta go ahead, a goal to nil, and what an assist for uh, Duvan Zapata. Zapata wanted to get the shot off, but saw Pasalic in better position and just managed to get the ball through to his teammate. PSG nearly equalized a minute later. It's Neymar who cuts inside from the left and from a standing start takes on several defenders before getting a shot off, but it whistled wide. 37th minute, and Jmitsu will go into the referee's book for a foul on Icardi. And in the 45th minute, it would be Remo Fueller, who will also go into the referee's book for Atalanta as he f brings down Ander Herrera, the former Manchester United midfielder. And Fueller will see the yellow card. And we go to halftime. 1-0 to the Italian side from the city of Bergamo, of course. 50th minute and another yellow card caution, this time to Martin Darun. For a foul on Neymar. Zapata goes into the book a few minutes later. 53rd minute. As he fouls Kerher. And the cards keep coming out of Anthony Taylor's uh, pocket. In the 54th it's Juan Bernat for PSG going into the book. Um, Atalanta had threatened to break. But Juan Bernat halts them in their tracks. With a robust challenge on Pasalic. With the fullback receiving a booking. Four minutes later, it's Ender Herrera going into the book. Finally, in the 58th, we get a chance. It's a huge opportunity for a second for Atalanta. Keeping the ball alive from a free kick with center back Jimitsu meeting it on the volley. However, from five yards out, his effort was a wild one and it slices wide. And we get our first substitution in the 59th minute it is a triple substitution uh, or I should say it's a double substitution for Atalanta and a single for Paris Saint-Germain so Atalanta send on Ruslan Malinovsky for Alejandro Gomez and Jose Luis Polomino comes on for Berat Jimitsu and 
Thomas Tuchel will counter by bringing on the phenom Kylian Mbappe for Pablo Sarabia. That's all in the 59th and 60th minute. And another yellow card caution in the 67th to Toloi as he's the fourth Atalanta player to go into the book, this time for a foul on Mbappe. Another substitution this time for Atalanta. It is Luis Mar Muriel coming he is coming on. Mario Pasalic, the goal scorer, is off. 72nd minute, and it is the Parisian side with a with a substitution of their own. On comes Ulian Draxler. Off comes Ander Herrera, the German for the Spaniard on that one. And we keep moving ahead. Another substitution in the 79th minute as we get... Navis, the goalkeeper for PSG, is forced off with an injury. So Sergio Rico comes in in his place. Also in the same stoppage, Eric Maxim Chopo-Molting comes on to replace Mauro Icardi. And the final substitution for Atalanta a minute later, it is Timothy Castagne coming off and Robin Gossens coming on. So we move forward as we get to the high point of the match, it is in the 90th minute. Atalanta can taste the semifinals. The football romantics are falling in love. They can feel it. Only to have Marquinhos rip it away in the 90th minute. Neymar gets it to the far post inside the six-yard box. Marquinhos gets a toe onto it with Caldeira only able to divert it. It's in the goal, 1-1. One one. The Parisian side are back in it, and their dream is not over yet. And in fact, in a minute later, well, actually first it was, an, it was a nice assist to Neymar. Neymar had plenty of chances tonight, but in the big moment he managed to get the ball to Marquinhos. That being said, it may have well been a miss kick, according to Fopmob. Three minutes later, absolute heartbreak as... Mbappe's introduction helped push Atalanta further and further back. Ultimately, he is the man who made the difference in here in the 90th plus 3, a perfectly timed run into Chopo Moting, who could well prove to be the unlikely hero. And it is a goal, and PSG take the lead in the dying seconds. Paris Saint-Germain uh, with a huge turnaround, Mbappe got to the end of Neymar's slick pass, kept his calm, sent a low cross with, of all people, Chopo Moting on hand to tuck it home. It is Paris Saint-Germain taking the lead. They led for only <laughs> a matter of, of minutes here in the stoppage time, and there was only 149 seconds between Paris Saint-Germain's equalizer and their winner, and the French side have secured, uh, I'm sorry, the French side have now scored in each of their last 33 Champions League match, currently the longest run in the competition. And at 90 plus 7, Anthony Taylor blows his whistle three times in Lisbon. It is over. P PSG have come from behind to book their place in the Champions League semifinals, dramatic fashion. Marquinhos got their equalizer in the 90th minute with unlikely hero Chopo Moting then on hand to score the winner two minutes later. So, so cruel for Atalanta, who had been worthy, would have been worthy semifinalists. 
but they can still look back on their uh, inaugural Champions League campaign with immense pride. Tuchel, meanwhile, meanwhile, may have just salvaged his job with that late comeback, though PSG will have to be much, much better in the semifinals, and by the time you hear this episode, they will have played in the semifinals, so sit tight and wait for the semifinal review show later in the week, but um, they will need to improve when they take on uh, their opponents. I'm not going to say who just yet because that's the next match we are covering. Let's quickly go through the player ratings, however, for this match. All right. And we have, starting with Atalanta, Sportiello will take a 5.7 in goal. His replacement, Sergio, oh, I'm sorry. No, he played the whole match. It was Kaylor Navas who came off. Um, Rafael Toloi, 6.2. Matia Caldera, 5.3. Berat Jmitsu, 5.8. Hans Hatzibor, 5.1. Martin Darun, 6.1. Remo Fueller, 6.1. Robin Gossens, 6.6. Mario Palasic, 6.5. Alejandro Gomez, 6.5. And Duvan Zapata, 6.3. For the French champions, Kaylor Navas was a 6.7 before coming off injured. Sergio Rico earned a 6.1 in the 11 minutes he played. Tilo Keher had a 6.8. Thiago Silva, 7.5. Presnel Kimpepe, 7.3. Juan Bernat, 7.6. Ender Herrera, 7.1. Marquinhos with an 8.2. Idrissa Gana Goye, 6.7. Neymar is your man of the match with a 9.3 rating. Mauro Icardi, 6.8. And Pablo Sarabia, 6.4. And for the rest of the substitutes, Julian Draxler, 6.6. Leandro Daniel Paredes, 6.6. Eric Maxim Chopomoting, the the hero, 7.6. Kylian Mbappe, 7.3. Let's go to the next quarterfinal played one day later at the Estadio Jose Alvalade down the road the home of Sporting Lisbon and well okay something I should have said off the top if you are a believer if you are a follower if you are a lover of Tiki Taka or of the Spanish teams in this competition, you might want to skip the rest of the show. Atletico Madrid versus RB Leipzig. Two of the managers that I I like a lot, okay? And I watch managers, obviously. Um, Julian Nagelsmann, one of my favorites, against Diego Simeone, who in the past has been one of my favorites, but one that's been frustrating me a lot lately. All right, let's go to the lineups, and we have Simon Marciniak is the referee from Poland, and we'll start with the lineups for Leipzig first. As you know, Julian Nagelsmann is their manager, the very, very in-demand manager, the manager I want at Manchester United, who I thought he was the perfect fit for Manchester United. I still do. That's right, Ole. I still think Nagelsmann is the right fit for Manchester United. His goalkeeper, Peter Galazzi, 
three across the back. It's a three-three-three-one that is sent out by Nagelsmann. Lucas Klosterman is the right back. Adayo Apencano. Apencano is the center back. Marcel Hastelberg is the left back. Conrad Leimer, Kevin Campbell, and Angelino are the three in midfield. With three attacking mids in front of them, if you will, or three supporting forwards, however you want to look at it. Marcel Sabitzer, Daniel Olmo, and Christopher Nukuku are there, all behind the striker Yusef Paulson. And now for Atletico Madrid, Diego Simeone. Yano Black goes out. He is the undisputed number one. Kieran Trippier, the right the right back. Stefan Savic and Jose Jimenez are the central defenders with Renan Lodi at left back. Four in midfield. They're playing a traditional 4-4-2. Saul, Saul and Herrera are the pair in the middle of the park with Koke down the right and Yannick Carrasco down the left and... The old man, Diego Costa, is the striker, and he partners with Marcos Chorente. Diego Simeone, what are you doing? Let's look at the, the talent left on the bench. Tomas, Tomas Lamar, Vitolo, Alvaro Morata, most importantly... João Felix, 126 million euros for João Felix. And you sit him in his home country as if he didn't. And this is a a criticism I'm going to put on another Spaniard in a little while. Nuestros hermanos. Sometimes they just don't stop looking down at us, I take it. I don't want to make this about ethnicity, but I don't understand leaving João Felix on the bench here. Well, Simeone just can't help himself. He goes out there and puts a defensive team as they continue to retreat and give territory to Nagelsmann's RB Leipzig. And I don't understand. But now I see why this team couldn't take advantage of three poor seasons. Okay? Barcelona, Real Madrid have been poor for three seasons, and this Atleti team cannot get past them. It's time for a change. <laughs> it's time for a change at the at the Wanda Metropolitano. The new you got a new stadium. You've got young players. It's time for a new style. No, I don't want you to go and be tiki taka like Barcelona. I'll get to them. Oh, don't you worry. I got I got plenty for them when their turn comes up. But this is ridiculous. Simeone just cannot trust young players. It it makes no sense. You spend money on these players and then you sit them in the most important matches. What happens when he subs on Jean Felix, by the way? Everyone that watched. Yeah, that's right. You saw the game. You know what happened. This this one's going to... We move through, okay? And we get our goal at the 50th minute, okay? We we got through the first half. Real Madrid just... just I mean, sorry, Atletico Madrid, too happy to, to allow Leipzig to play. I'm going to go through the stats first, okay? Leipzig had 57% possession. A stat I could care less for, except for the fact... 
except for the fact that Atletico did not have to give away the ball this much. They're not playing against Barcelona. They're not playing against Bayern Munich. Playing against RB Leipzig, with all due respect, they should be able to have the ball and to look to win the game and stop looking to not lose the game. Let's go Madrid. You want to see a stat for them? 368 accurate passes. 227, more than half of those in their own half. Territory is where these matches is won and lost. I don't care that you don't want to have the ball. That's fine. That's a perfectly valid way to attack a match. But if you're not going to have the ball, you're going to play in the other team's half or at least in the middle third. Territory. They gave away too much territory. Far too much territory. Well, in the 50th minute, it is Leipzig getting on the board. We're in the second half already. And it is... Daniel Olmo getting on getting the first goal in the 50th minute for RB Leipzig assisted by Marcel Sabitzer and it was a brill it was brilliant from Leipzig as they switched play from left to right they were allowed to do whatever they wanted with the ball in this match Atleti didn't even defend well anyway Olmo was unmarked in the middle and he heads it across the goal past O'Block in the far bottom right corner. 1-0 to the German side. 58th minute, a substitution finally that can change the match. It's Joel Felix coming on. I wonder what's going to happen. He replaces Hector Herrera. And it doesn't take long. 71st minute, 10 minutes later. Felix dummies a shot, does well. Cloisterman Slides in very late, dives in like a fool, takes him down inside the box. Referee points to the spot. It's a penalty to Atleti. In case anyone's wondering of the Spanish teams, Atleti is the one I consider myself to to prefer. No, I'm not a Real Madrid or a Barcelona fan. I prefer Atleti. I'm extra aggravated by this by this approach. The youngster Felix steps up and buries the penalty kick. Takes it very well. Powerful shot. Puts it to the goalkeeper's right. The goalkeeper guesses correctly, but he cannot keep it out. And Alvaro Marata comes on for Diego Costa. Leipzig make their own substitution. Conrad Leimer is off. American International. Tyler Adams is on. 82nd minute, and Kevin Campbell is booked for a for a uh, foul on Llorente. Two substitutions for Leipzig. Patrick Schick replaces Daniel Olmo, and Amadou Haidara replaces Christopher Nakuku. And in the 88th minute, guess who? It's the American. It is Tyler Adams, who fires a shot, takes a fortuitous bounce, that's true, it takes a nice deflection, but you know what, Atleti are backing up and backing up and retreating and retreating, the match is 1-1, why are they playing to get to extra time, they have the more talented team, I don't know why they are playing so passively, 
Yes, I know that they pack it in, and this is this is a Simeone style. Simeone needs to wake up and realize he doesn't have that kind of squad anymore. He doesn't have those kinds of players. He doesn't have Diego Godin. Okay, he doesn't have these bangers in midfield that are just gonna hit everything in sight and that are just gonna stay ultra dis- uh, disciplined and break down every passing lane. He's got young, exciting talent that he has on the bench. Tyler Adams, big goal for him, biggest goal of his career. Um, you could have called it. It's not a own goal by definition because he does shoot it on goal, but it was very, very close. Um, you could call it a very fortunate redirection off of a defender. And you know the drill by now. RB Leipzig are through to the semifinals. Atletico Madrid. <coughs> Choke. It's time for Diego Simeone to go. As someone who likes Atletico Madrid, it it's time has passed him by. He looks like a relic of a of a time gone by. He looks like a dinosaur, not person, not physically, but his football looks like it's from another era. He the club has not gone and gotten those kind of players. They have different players. It's time to change. Contrast to what I'm gonna say a little bit later about uh, about two um, other. Spanish teams, or I should say the other Spanish team and a team managed by a Spanish manager, an English team with a certain Spanish manager. Contrast to what I'm going to say about those, this team just does not want to play. This 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 was not a good game from Atletico Madrid. It's not acceptable from Atletico Madrid. They're not, yeah, they're not Real Madrid or Barcelona, but they are no, uh, they are... <laughs> They're not a poor team by any stretch of the imagination. They they've assembled an expensive squad and they need to be better. And they need the manager needs to change his ways. And I think he's been given plenty of opportunities to evolve and he's not evolving. I think it's time for Diego Simeone to go somewhere else and to start over with another club and rebuild them from the ground because at this point he can't take this club any further. Now I'm not into the whole uh ness, not into the whole sentimental value that he's he's a athlete man and and that he should just stay for what he did years ago. He has not won the league in years. Those Champions League finals seem like a lifetime ago. All right, we're going to take a break when we come back. We're going to talk about <laughs> the other two semifinal the other two quarterfinals, excuse me, that came in the following 2 days. This is the PTV Champions League review show with the Mr. Mike Agustinu. Follow the PTV network on Twitter at PTB underscore media. That's at PTB underscore media. Welcome back to the Champions League review here on the PTB Media Network. That's right, the PTB Media Network where all episodes are ad-free for the first 30 days on this feed only. On the Parking the Bus feed. So make sure you listen to these episodes on Parking the Bus. Okay, I do post these elsewhere. But listen to it on Parking the Bus and you don't have to hear any ads. Now let's get to the next quarterfinal of this this very different UEFA Champions League season. Okay, it is quarterfinal number three. And we are going back to the Stadium Light, back to the Stadio de Luz, the Stadio Sport Lisboa Benfica, or the Benfica Stadium to be exact, though nobody calls it that. Um, 
This is Friday, August the 14th, and the Slovakian Demir Skomina is the referee. And we have FC Barcelona versus FC Bayern München. Now let's go to the lineups. We will start with the Catalan side, managed by Kiki Setien. In goal is the German international Mark Andrea Ter Stegen. Four in the back, and they're 4 3 1 2. And it is Nelson Semedo on the right, Gerard Piquet, and Clement Lenlet on uh, central defense. And the left back is Jordi Alba. The three in central midfield, we have Sergio Busquets. And he is accompanied on his right by Sergi Roberto and on his left by Frankie de Jong. Arturo Vidal is in the attacking midfield position with Lionel Messi to his left. I'm sorry, with, yeah, with Lionel Messi to his left and Luis Suarez to his right. The German champions, Bayern, will line up with Manuel Neuer in goal. They're, called, they're managed, of course, by Hans Dieter Flick and... Their 4-2-3-1 formation across the back. The right back is Joshua Kimmich. The two central defenders are Jerome Boateng and David Alba. David Alaba, excuse me. And the left back is the Canadian international superstar lately. He has really exploded this season. It's Alfonso Davies or Davis if you prefer the British pronunciation like we heard on CBS All Access this week. The two... In midfield, the double pivot, we have Thiago Alcantara and Leon Goretzka. Three in front of them, Serge Nabry on the right. Thomas Muller in the number 10 role with Ivan Perisic on the left. And Robert Lewandowski is the classic number 9, your classic striker. And where do we begin with this one? Well, it took no time at all for Bayern to get on the board. This was an ugly one if you are a fan of Football Club Barcelona. Yeah, again, this, honestly, let's have a little funeral for Tiki Taka right now because Tiki Taka is dead, my friends. It has been figured out. Unless you have the best assembled team on the face of the earth, like the 20, what, 8, 2008 to, to 2012 Barcelona teams and Spanish national team, um, Tiki Taka is, is just not going to cut it anymore. Teams have adjusted. And in the fourth minute, it is Thomas Muller for FC Bayern putting the German side, the Bavarians, in front. And it's such an open game right from the start. Um, I honestly don't think Barcelona could defend if they had to. They really do not know how. That club as a whole, okay, and manager manager after manager that's come into Barcelona has complied with this vision. And they have really omitted defending to the point where now they cannot defend. They... Only interested in defenders that can possess. Possession, possession, possession. Okay? Uh, that's all we hear is about possession. But they have possession. Oh, yeah, they lost. They didn't win the league, but they had possession. Well, guess what? Barcelona had possession in this game. They actually win the possession battle 50.8% to 49.2%. 
But guess what? The stat that matters? The stat that matters is goals. And they got their teeth kicked in. Like they never had before. Mueller is the first one to get on on the board. He is assisted by Robert Lewandowski. And not that long later, 15 minutes later or so, it, the lead gets double. No, it, excuse me. The It's an own goal. Two minutes later. I apologize. I skipped ahead there. Two minutes later, it's an own goal. It's Alaba scoring a stunning own goal. Incredible. The defending so far has left an awful lot to be desired, and Alba is on the left square. He's on the left to square the ball for Suarez. Alaba gets there first, but completely mistimes his clearance and sends the ball arching over Neuer and into his own goal. It is 1-1, and Barcelona are uh, assisted there by the center back. But that's about the only good thing that was going to happen for the Catalan side in this one. 21st minute, the Croatian international, Ivan Perisic. Yeah, he gets it in the goal, and Bayern are back in the lead. 2-1, to one, Perisic fires a powerful finish straight through Ter Stegen from the left side of the area. That This is turning into a classic, it says here. Well, little did Fop Mob know at that point that this was going to be <laughs> a classic as long as you're not a Barcelona supporter. Um, Barca give the ball away once again in a poor area, and it allows Nabry and Perisic to double up on a defender on the left with the former feeding the latter, meaning Nabry gets the ball and he picks up an assist for himself. But in the 27th, Serge gets one for himself. That's right, Serge gets on the score sheet. He tallies one. It's 3-1 Bayern. He gets in behind and Linglet. And holds off the center back and thrashes a finish past Ter Stegen. Leon Goretzka with the assist on that play. And just when you think it can't get worse, it's Thomas Muller once again from Joshua Kimmich. It's 4-1 within a half an hour. Barca simply cannot handle the Bundesliga champions. Barcelona's defending has been truly woeful. And that's because they have not invested in their defending in a decade. They only sign defenders that can play offensively. Their center back peering is poor. Gerard Piquet has not been a world-class defender for a decade. Maybe I'm exaggerating a little, but at least for five years, Gerard Piquet has not been... A strong central defender. Because they don't believe in that thing at Barcelona. They're above defending. I told you if you were a fan of Tiki Taka and you're a fan of Barcelona, you're you're not going to like this episode. And if you're a fan of Pep Guardiola, I saved the best for last. Tune in. Stay tuned as that's coming up in just a few minutes. As we move forward, and in this 42nd minute, a yellow card to Jerome Boateng of Bayern Munich, and that takes us to halftime. Bayern were favorites for this clash, but even they could not have expected to be up like this at the break. They have put four goals past Ter Stegen and even scored Barca's own goal for them. All five goals scored by the Bavarian side and Hansi Flick's side are are completely running away with the match. Okay, they've got the afterburners on and they've netted 
four times for themselves. Barcelona have had chances too, but they they might have just be happy enough to be relieved and to get into the team room at halftime to stop the bleeding. Kiki Setien will go to the bench at halftime, and it's... <laughs> I'm going to laugh a little bit. The signing of the year. You've got a Barcelona team that can't defend, but they spend their money on Antoine Griezmann. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Antoine Griezmann is on for Sergi Roberto. Obviously, that's going to fix this. And Lewandowski kicks off to start the second half. Alfonso Davies goes in the book in the 52nd minute uh, for a foul on on Vidal. He has a challenge on Vidal. And in the 57th minute, I guess it did work for, for a bit. Because it's Luis Suarez putting Barcelona back on the board. He he nets the second, cuts the lead in half to 4-2. to two. Um Boateng had some painful memories facing Barca in the Champions League in the past where Messi humbled him with his close control. On this one, it is Suarez cheekily chopping past the defender, firing into the bottom corner. A nice assist on the play by Jordi Alba. Suarez has um, an incredible run. <laughs> he has incredibly ended a run, I'm sorry, of 1,952 minutes without a Champions League goal away from the Camp Nou. That was his first since September 2015 against Roma at Stadio Olimpico. But don't worry. Don't worry, Barca. It's a good thing you made that attack-minding substitution because in the 63rd minute, it's Joshua Kimmich. And that's five for Bayer. Kimmich stabs in from close range, but this goal is all about Alfonso Davies. Let's talk about Alfonso Davies for a minute. Brilliant work down the left. Absolutely roasted one of my favorite players in Nelson Semedo. And he did. He beat him. He beat him. But nobody was was nobody got in behind Semedo to support him either. Everybody in Blaugrana, in blue and red, are watching. They were spectators. Nobody picked up the late arriving Kimmich. Nobody marked. They just watched. So yes, yes, Semedo holds plenty of blame for being beat on the play. But he at least forced Davies to the end line. To the, there should have been another Barcelona player getting there to to stop his angle towards goal. This team does not know how to defend. Defending's gone out of the game and Barcelona's to blame. Coaches everywhere believe you shouldn't even teach defending until you're 18 years old, until you're an adult now. Coaches everywhere converting a less talented forward or winger into a back because they think that that's all you need to do is be fast. To play back. To play outside back. Or if you got a nice pass, you can play in the back. Defending is going out of the game, and it's it's embarrassing to watch what's supposed to be one of the world's best teams unable to do the most basic defending. Brilliant assist for Alfonso Davies. 
He enjoyed one heck of a season this year. He's not done yet, and but that might have been the best moment of his season um, to date. And he is just ascending. And I hope that he continues this ascend. I hope he continues to work his way into being one of the elite. I think he's already one of the elite left backs in the world. And I think he can even reach a higher level. Obviously, he's very young. He's got so much potential. Canadian fans must be excited about this player. I can't imagine that they're not. 67th minute and... We have a substitution for Bayern Munich. Kinsley Coman is on. Ivan Perisic is off. Barcelona will counter with a change of their own in the 70th. Ansu Fati is on. Sergio Busquets is off. Tactical change there by Kiki Setien. Philippe Coutinho comes in to just... Pour some salt in the wounds in the 75th minute. Continue to play against his former club, Barcelona. He replaces Serge Gnabry. And Jerome Boateng will come off also. As he appeared to be a doubt for the match, but he, he survived it. So as to not risk any injury, Nicolas Soule is on. Jerome Boateng is off in the 76th. 82nd minute, and who else? Robert Lewandowski. He nets his goal. It's 6-2 to two for Bayern Munich. What a goal. Bayern are quelling up on the edge of the area and eventually work the ball to the left Philippe to Philippe Coutinho. He crosses for Lewandowski, who cannot miss from there. There's a VAR review as the striker looked to be borderline offside, but nope. He was onside. Goal was given. And it's 6-2. to two. Coutinho incredibly linking up with the central back, uh, Alaba, in the area before getting down the outside and crossing to the unmarked Lewandowski. Unmarked Lewandowski. Even for Barcelona, I can't... I am astonished at how poor the defending was and at, I didn't even know this type defending this bad was even possible at this level Lucas Hernandez is on for Alfonso Davies in the 84th minute and Goretzka is off as well in comes Corentin Toliso yellow cards for Kimmich and Oh, sorry, yellow card for Kimmich, but in the 85th, it's Philippe Coutinho against his former team. He makes it seven. The Barcelona forward scores against Barcelona. This man is on loan from Barcelona. The lone man stabs past a static Ter Stegen and almost looks embarrassed to have netted. It's incredible. Beautiful assist for Thomas Muller on the play. But it's not over yet. We got more. 89th minute. Coutinho again makes it 8-2. to two. This is what I love about Bayern Munich. And I'm not a Bayern fan. But this is what I want. A team I any team I support, I want to play like this. They keep going. They do not stop. 
They do not take the foot off the gas. They do not feel bad for their opponent. This is professional football. You play for 90 minutes. You don't play until you have a three-goal lead. This is why they're one of the best. Because they do not ease up. They play hard from beginning to end, from opening whistle to the final whistle. It's Coutinho again. Thiago with the cross, and it's headed down, and Semedo cannot clear it. Coutinho is on hand to score again. 8-4. Bayern Munich. And the referee wisely gives a minimum of two minutes for stoppage time to end this massacre. And Vidal loses loses his cool in, in stoppage time. And he is booked for shoving Toliso. And at 90 plus 2, it's all over. The final whistle blows. Barcelona are relieved from the beating. Relieved. Well, they're not relieved from the embarrassment. They, they got a nice greeting when they returned to their hotel in Lisbon after the match. Yeah, there were some fans that um were not were not too pleased with them. Not at all. No, they're not going to say nice try. At least we gave it our best shot. No, none of that. One of the most remarkable results in Champions League history ends with Bayern putting eight past Barcelona. Muller and Coutinho had doubles. Uh, the latter still a Barcelona player, still on loan from Barcelona. Uh, while there were also goals for Perisic, Nabry, Kimmich, and Lewandowski. Alaba's own goal actually leveled the game at an early stage, but Suarez's second half strike was a mere consolation. This was a complete humbling for one of the biggest clubs in world football. Bayern, mar Bayern march on. And Kiki Setien sacked pretty much immediately. It's a couple days later, we now know that uh, Eric Abidal has been sacked as sporting director. I think that there's going to be a major overhaul. There's an election at Barcelona next next season. And I'm sure the president is very much in the hot seat, as it's been a long time now since Barcelona have won a Champions League for their standards. And for the amount of money and the amount of investment that has been put into the team, the performance has not been there to match. Yeah, they won a couple La Ligas. They they caught they were lucky to catch Real Madrid on a downslide the last couple seasons. Atleti's been unable to challenge them. We talked about them in the last segment. They Atleti will give away. They'll play their own youth team and pack it in and give away the ball. And just worry about defending to their own youth team if if they were to play him. Very, very sad night for Spanish football. It wasn't that long ago Spanish football was king. Real Madrid, Barcelona, even Atleti. Valencia. Sevilla winning the Europa League almost every year. Spanish national team winning Euros and World Cups. Well... It looks like um, things are changing. Things they are changing. And the the Spanish football f culture needs to wake up. You can't just out-possess people anymore. Guess what? Everyone knows what you're going to do. You can't just omit defending. 
when you are developing players coming through a system, you need to teach you how to defend. And by the way, this isn't go just for Spanish teams. Anyone who has followed me on Mr. Benfica knows I say this about my own club. Every time we bring up a defender, they can't defend. It's great to possess. It's great to control the game, quote-unquote. But are you really controlling the game just because you have the ball? If you have the ball exactly where your opponent wants you to have the ball? Well, Kiki Setien is, is unfortunate in my opinion. He walked in to a, to a locker room that was already a dumpster fire. Lionel Messi wants out, supposedly. They're talking about him go, want, for the first time in his career. Being very unhappy in the club. Lionel Messi, where are you? You're the leader of this club. You wear the captain's armband. Even if you don't wear the captain's armband, you are one of the best players to ever play the game. How do you let this happen to your locker room? I understand you can't control what's going on on the pitch all the time. You can't be everywhere you're one player. But you can't control your locker room as a veteran. As one of the greats. Everybody that wears a pair of boots, every single player on planet Earth respects you. How does your locker room get like this? We heard it on CBS All Access, you know, on their post-game show. It was, uh, they went over it, they can see it. It's a, it's a poisonous locker room. Setien came in at the wrong time. Why did they make it? They made a, a management. They changed managers when they were in first place. Makes no sense. And now? Now they're hitting what they consider to be rock bottom. They've spent all kinds of money. Their own off loaned player put two goals in there in, in on them in a semi, in a quarterfinal, excuse me, a Champions League quarterfinal. What's going to happen at Barcelona? Well, we do know it's been announced, and I guess it hasn't been confirmed, but we understand Ronald Koeman is on his way to Barcelona. Ronald Koeman knows knows a thing or two about defending. Well, he might have to go to the transfer market and get a whole new back line. Yeah, that means PK. Maybe he's past his time. Maybe it's time to hand the reins to somebody else. You got to be able to do more than just possess out of the back. There are matches where you're going to have to clear the ball 60 yards in the air because the opponent is pummeling you. You are never too good to clear a ball. The moment you start thinking that, your club is in a downfall. And it may take years to to see the results of that downfall, which I think is what happened here. Because I think this downfall stopped, started a whole lot longer ago. But it's now showing, it's bearing fruit, if you will. They got away with it for a long time. But now the players are getting older. They're one of the oldest teams in, they're the, one of the oldest teams in, in the top levels of Europe. 29 point something is their average age. Oldest team in this competition, left in the competition. Where's their academy that, La Masia. Not developing players anymore? Well, you know why? Because you can't rely on academies to 
to turn the way they did they were they had a a group a generation come through that academy that they that was out of this world Xavi Iniesta okay Messi sure you can count Messi okay you had uh, um Busquets you had players coming through the academy for a good range of time there that does not stay forever it's not that the players coming through La Masia now are not good. They're just not ready. And they can't. It, it's impossible to, to come from youth and to step into a Barcelona. Unless that Barcelona has everything, you know, that they need for that young player to succeed in. This team has none of that. If you're calling on a young player now, it's because you don't have anyone better. Not because you're giving them an opportunity to grow. That's the problem. And that's why they have had to spend in the transfer market. But it's not getting Antoine Griezmann that you're going to build this back into a team. This is not a team. It's 11 individuals, each one doing his own thing. Be interesting to see what happens in this summer. It's going to be a very hot summer in Catalonia. Very hot summer for uh, Barcelona. All right, we're going to take another break because that ran pretty long. Fortunately, this is a podcast and it's not radio because we would have run out of time by now. But I... <laughs> I got I got some for Pep Guardiola too after the break. If you're still listening, if I haven't pissed you off yet, thank you. This is our Champions League review here on the PTB Media Network. Follow us on Twitter at PTB underscore media and on Instagram at PTB underscore media. We'll be right back to talk about Man City versus Leon. And welcome back to the PTB Champions League review. Our final match of the review, the last quarterfinal to go over. And Manchester City fans, Pep Guardiola fans, if you're still here, I bet you're not because of what I just said about Barcelona. But if you're still with me, this could get a li- this one could get a little hurtful. No, listen, um, I said I saved the best for last. I don't know that I can... Uh, do any more or say any more than I said in the last segment. And this is going to sound repetitive because my criticisms are going to be almost identical. But let's get to the match. Okay, this was the final um, quarterfinal match to be played. It was played Saturday, August the 15th. And we are at the Jose Alvalade Stadium in Lisbon, home of Sporting Lisbon, of course. The referee is is uh from the Netherlands it is Danny Makele. Okay, let's go to the starting 11 and I am going to go with Leon first. Okay. Leon managed by Rudy Garcia and I know on in the last episode of uh of parking the bus I called him Rudy Gomez. My apologies. Um there's just no excuse for that. If I'm gonna, I'm, if I'm gonna come here and criticize managers for mistakes, I'm gonna have to point out my own, and that was a big mistake on my part. His name is Rudy Garcia. All right, so Rudy Garcia is the manager for Leon in goal. Portugal international Anthony Lopes. Uh, three across the back for Rudy Garcia. Three five two. He's got Jason Denier. He's got Marcelo and Fernando Marsal at the back. Five in midfield with Leo Dubois on the right. Right inside is McKence Quacare, 
<laughs> Sorry about that to any French, any Francophone listeners. I apologize. Um, the holding mid is Bruno Guimaraes. To his left, Hossam Awar and Maxwell Cornet is the left-sided midfielder. And in front of them, two forwards, Memphis Depay and Carl Toko Ikambi. Now, let's talk about Man City. Let's talk about Pep Guardiola. If you haven't noticed, everyone's talking about Pep Guardiola. Uh, I listen to the BBC Five. I listen to Talk Sport. I listen to ESPN FC. Listen to Tu DNA in Spanish. I listen to Marca in Spanish in from Spain. Everybody is basically pointing the finger at Pep Guardiola. Now nobody's perfect, but Pep continues to repeat mistakes year after year in this competition. Pep is a brilliant manager. In my estimation, if he's not the best manager in the world, he's second. Okay, let me get that out of the way first. Okay, if he's not the best manager in the world right now, then he's probably second to only Jurgen Klopp. Okay, this man is a brilliant football manager. However, like many people, he makes mistakes. The problem for Pep Guardiola is his mistakes seem to always come in the knockout rounds of the Champions League. All right, let's get to his 11. In goal, Ederson, of course. He makes, for the first time all season, Pep decides to go to three at the back. This is a... There's no explanation for this. Fernandinho, Eric Garcia, and Laporte are the three in the back. Keep in mind, there is absolutely no pace. So he's decided to try to... To defend two pacey forwards with three slow defenders. He's put five in midfield just like Leon. He basically mirrored Leon's lineup. Why? I don't know. I don't think anyone knows. I'm not even sure Pep knows. I think he convinced himself it was a good idea, but if he were to really think about it, he may not remember why he thought this was a good idea. All right, so he's playing with two wingbacks. So it's this, this three... This 3-5-2 quickly can can fall into a 5-3-2 if the team falls under pressure, of course. Unless you want your three defenders playing, you know, completely spread out, full of gaps to pass through. That That's what you set up with. But his wingbacks are Kyle Walker on the right, João Cancelo on the left. His two wingbacks had good matches. No surprise. They're in familiar roles. It's just uh, you've, you've taken two outside backs that are much better going forward than they are defending and essentially moved them up the pitch and removed defending responsibilities. Oh, man. I got to talk about defending again. I just spent 25 minutes ripping on Barcelona for omitting <laughs> omitting the defensive side of the game for building a team that cannot defend. And guess what? Guess where Pep Guardiola learned that? Okay, three in center midfield. All right, he went with Rodri Gundogan, and slightly in front was Kevin De Bruyne. Now, he's playing with two holding midfielders. I didn't think I'd see the day that Pep Guardiola and his Manchester City team go to two holding mids against Leon. 
I don't know if he was just overly afraid of their pace, but he, Pep, you've got you're Manchester City. You are Manchester City, one of the wealthiest, one of the deepest teams in the world, at least offensively. And you go to two holding mids? His, his two strikers are Gabriel Jesus and Raheem Sterling. Now, just for fun, let's take a look at the team Guardiola's got on the bench. And tell me if they probably wouldn't beat the 11 he selected. Now, he doesn't have 11 on the bench, but you know what I mean. Keeper, Claudio Bravo. Defender, Benjamin Mendy. Defender, Cole Palmer. Defender John Stones. Defender Nicholas Otamendi. Defender Alexander Zinchenko. Midfielder Adrian Barnabe. Midfielder David Silva. Midfielder Thomas Doyle. Attacker Bernardo Silva. Attacker Phil Foden. Attacker Riyad Mahrez. You remove De Bruyne, Gabby Zazuj, and Raheem Sterling and play seven aside or whatever, and the, the bench beats the starters. They don't just beat them. They annihilate them. What is this 11, Pep? Look at all the firepower you left on the bench against a Leon team you knew was going to sit deep was going to hold tight and wait to break out. You needed players to get in between the lines and create space and break up their formation, break up their shape. Bernardo Silva and Real Mares on the bench. David Silva on the bench. Listen, Pep overthought this one. Pep seems to overthink it when he gets to this stage of this competition. I Can somebody close to Pep on his staff tell him to knock this off? It's interesting because Pep last won the Champions League with Barcelona. What was it, 2012, if I'm not mistaken. Neither Pep nor Barcelona have been as good as they were then. Why? Very simple. Players get older. Players change. Pieces change. Neither Pep nor Barcelona have evolved their ideology and their their theory and their their they haven't evolved the way that they put their teams on the pitch to play they want to see the same football from players with completely different characteristics as they saw from an all-world team that won everything in its sight okay with the exception of Messi who is not Spanish the rest of the spine of that Barcelona team went on to win internationally and club okay Messi won plenty at club. He didn't win anything with Argentina. No, the Olympics do not count. That is an under-23 tournament. So don't tweet me and tell me that, that Messi won two Olympic gold medals. 
I won a co-ed over 30 medal. Does that mean anything? That's about as you get my point. Now, <laughs> neither Barcelona nor Pep Guardiola have reached the level they were at together. And it's simple. They're both trying to recreate the perfect team that they had. And you're just not going to get perfect pieces. Okay? It's just not going to happen. So what happens is Pep decides to start inventing things. hes I don't think he's intentionally trying to prove how smart he is. I think for some reason he gets paranoid at this stage of the, of the competition. Listen, Pep. You want to win the Champions League? Invest in some friggin' defenders that can defend. Put some steel in your lineup to go with all of the beautiful play. Two holding mids that are slow. Three central defenders that are slow. You were... It was they said it on on BBC. It was like if you're Leon and you're you think you got this huge challenge on hand, you got to take on Man City. You got to take on Bernardo Silva. I'm gonna say that name a lot, just like I did Jean Felix. There's something in common here. There's something in common. Okay. I'll leave it at that. Two players that were going home to their home country, probably super motivated to 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 project themselves and to launch themselves onto the front pages. Super motivated to win this trophy at home. And two Spanish-speaking managers, Spanish-cultured managers. Yes, Simeone is Argentine. But he has been in Spain a long time. And Argentina is a very European culture. And the two prominent Portuguese players on these two teams, one on each, watch this competition from the bench. Yeah, Felix comes on, gets a penalty kick, converts the penalty kick. Bernardo doesn't even smell the pitch. All right, so you're Leon, and now you don't have to face Bernardo Silva. Certainly, you're going to have to face Riyad Mahrez. Oh, what, what, he's not playing either? Whew. Oh, then they must have must have David Silva in there pulling the strings and, and connecting passes and playing in the, the, the forwards. They do decide to go with, you know, Gabi Zezuz and, and Raheem Sterling. What? They're playing with two holding midfielders against us, against Leon? Can you imagine how motivated and how much how uplifting it had to be for Olympic Lyon to see the team that Pep was rolling out against them? They must have imagined it was a field day. They they must have thought they won the lottery. I don't understand where Pep why he did this. All he had to do was put his best 11 on the pitch. He, you go to you don't change from four de- central de- from four defenders to three in a in a one off knockout match against a team that you are superior to. You just let your superior players do their thing. You put the right team on the pitch, and again, 
Pep is a brilliant manager, but sometimes he's his own worst enemy. And that's a that's a reoccurring thing for geniuses. City have not been to the semifinals of this prestigious competition since 2016. Their lack of success remains a blip on Pep Guardiola's record at the Etihad Stadium, but having seen off Zinedine's Zidane's side last time out, they will surely feel this is their year. Yeah, Phil Foden was the man of the match against against Real Madrid. Where was Phil Foden in this match? Leon, meanwhile, finished a point shy of European qualification this term after the league uh, was curtain-tailed amid the corona pandemic. Uh, they face a very tough battle right now to, uh, to save their European status for next season. They will have to win this competition in order to have European football next season at Leon. And we read the lineup, so the match gets started. And Leon are first to go in the book as Cancelo and Dubois tussle for possession out on the wing. And it is Dubois uh, who is felled. Sorry, it is Bernard. It is Cancelo who is fouled by Dubois. The referee feels it's a nasty challenge and brandishes a yellow card for the man from Olympique Leon. But you know what? Twenty fourth minute. And you get a shock. It's the 24th minute, and it is Cornet for Leon. It's the man who bagged goals against City last season in the Champions League who's done it again. Toko Ikambi is fed by a deep ball with Walker, appearing to play him onside. And though he stumbles over his shot, the winger, Cornet, is racing up in support. And the Ivory Coast International cracks a spectacular low effort past Ederson at the near post from outside the box. What a strike. And all of a sudden, people are like, uh-oh, here we go again. The presumptive storyline of this match has turned on its head. Leon may only have 40% of the ball. But they have just cut open City at the back. And can Rudy Garcia? <laughs> Could he be have been further back? Perhaps it doesn't matter now because the French outfit lead. Leon were pinned back. It doesn't matter. They come up. They make the most of their opportunity. They're ahead 1-0. 29th minute Fernandinho goes in the book. He picks up a foul for a cynical foul on Awar, and the referee books him. And that'll take us to halftime with Manchester City down a goal to one. I'm sorry, a goal to nil. Maxwell Cornet's fantastic finish beyond Ederson, but a quarter of the way into the match is the difference between Manchester City and, and Leon in Lisbon with the underdogs in control of the scoreboard. Pep Guardiola's side. Look to come truly alive in the second half in the opening 45. However, in the opening 45 minutes, unable to break down the French side's shape and unable to 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 obviously get any goals as they go into the team room at the half trailing. 
If City can take hope from anything, it's that Paris Saint-Germain and RB Leipzig left it late this week, and they're in the Final Four. This game surely has a few more twists and turns to come. And in the second half, we see a substitution in the 56th, and Pep makes a, a adjustment here. And it is Fernandinho coming out as he is replaced by Riyad Mahrez. Rodri goes into the referee's book in the 58th minute. And Marcelo will go into the referee's book in the 64th. Now, 69th minute, and I thought this was going to be the, the turning point as I'm watching and I see... De Bruyne with a very nice goal. It's Manchester City's Kevin De Bruyne with the leveler. The Belgian puts his side back level pegging, pegging with a calm, collected finish as he smashes Sterl, a Sterling cutback right into the far post from the heart of the box. Leon were stretched thin at the back. And at last, City reaped the rewards in Lisboa. Nice assist for Raheem Sterling. On the play, Rudy Garcia goes to his bench. It's Thiago Mendes coming on for Bruno Guimarães. And the goal sparks uh, a change as Leon looked to respond. Um, how will Rudy Garcia change his plans now? Do they go all out on the attack or defend for a draw and try to get to extra time? 74th minute and Leon make another pair of changes that answer that question just fine. Out come Leo Dubois and Memphis Depay. And I was shaking my head at this one. I said, you got to be kidding me. You're taking out Memphis Depay. And here is why I couldn't believe it. The match is 1-1 in the 75th minute. Extra time becomes more and more likely. And where an extra time is likely, there's a high percentage that matches that go to extra time. Continue on to penalties. I've lost count of how many managers have, have absolutely driven me nuts by replacing their actual penalty taker before the penalty shootout. It happens all the time. For whatever reason, it must be something taught in these coaching courses, these high-level UEFA coaching courses. Memphis Depay, Leon's penalty taker, comes off. Mwasa Dambele is on. Kenny Tete is on for Leo Dubois. But Rudy Garcia is going to prove why he is at Leon and why I talk to a microphone. <laughs> in the 79th minute, it is Dambele. The League One club are back in front as the substitute suddenly comes on in the box after Toko Inkimbe in an apparent offside position lets the ball roll past him and on to his teammate, which puts it past Ederson despite a touch from the goalkeeper. Var has a look, but for a foul on Laporte, and the score is confirmed. Cannot believe it. Guardiola is aghast on the sidelines. I'm surprised as well. Um, yeah, you know, it depends who you ask if that's a foul or not. The British media are all saying that's two guys running at the ball. Incidental contact, no foul. I don't think that intent has anything to do with it. Personally, I come from the school of thought that one team gained an advantage from this incidental contact, quote-unquote. For me, it's a foul. But 
The referee is the is the opinion that matters. And the VAR, they said no foul and apparently no offside either. As uh, the player w- the player allowed the ball through, but if he opened his legs, like it says here in the report, if he lets the ball run through his legs, unless he stays completely still, he is playing the ball and he is thus offside. However, the referee and the VAR allow the goal. It's an assist for Ho- for Hussein Awar. He was the man with the delivery downfield after City lost possession at the edge of the center circle. Where's that tiki-taka, Pat, a pep? <laughs> this team, uh, it's just, again, I think sometimes clubs and managers get so confident in their game. Okay? Or when they're building the team. That they forget that you need different characteristics. Players are different. You need... You need characteristic diversity in your squad. You cannot afford in a single elimination knockout match to make these kinds of mistakes. Pep's teams win leagues because over 38 matches, they're often the best. This year, they did not. Last year, they did. In cups, you have to be perfect. Pep said it himself in the postgame flash. He said, we had to be perfect and we weren't. And he's right. And if you're Manchester City right now, you're feeling hard done by this decision. It's another fine VAR margin. And Manchester City in the middle of so many VAR controversies. And if play had been stopped in the buildup, there would have been no goal. Um, But because the referee allowed play to continue, there was not enough to overrule it. Another... Everyone knows how I feel about possession, so I'm going to read this. City have 71% of the ball in this match. 71%, yet they are trailing. That's because possession is a useless statistic. If you don't put the ball in the goal, you lose. I said this about Barcelona. And I'll say it about City. You ain't going to win anything with possession. Unless you want to go around touting that you had possession. It just... It, it, it feels like an antiquated... Archaic... Method of thinking. And it's not that old. I mean, 10 years ago, this was conventional wisdom. You taught every, everyone was working on possession and, and technical play that included, you know, ball movement. And and remember Spain winning a European championship without a number nine, playing with a false nine? Remember Cesc Fabregas lining up as a false nine? Does anyone think any other team on planet Earth with any other 11 players could have pulled that off? It's like... Again, it has been 10 or 12, 8 years, whatever it's been since then. Defenses have evolved. Players have learned. Opposing managers have learned how to face this style of play. And whether it's Barcelona, whether it's Manchester City or Pep to be exact, there is this stubbornness in this style and this unwillingness to evolve. 
I'm not saying start playing kick and rush route one football. You just got to mix it up a little bit. You can't win cups by possessing. That might work in the league when there's 38 matches and you're the best team. Yes, you're going to beat a lot of teams if you have the ball all the time. But in a one-off, on a night where you're not getting any luck in front of goal, and we'll get to luck in front of goal in just a minute, you need something else. Sometimes it's a 60-yard ball smacked in the air over the top for a forward to run onto. Now that also requires you playing those kind of forwards onto the pitch and having them in your team for when things are not going well. When you're you need to have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, a plan D. Pep Guardiola seems to only have a plan A. I think that's a fair criticism. Again, if he's not the best manager in the world today, he's the second. This is not a complete knock on him. This is, in my in my opinion, a fair evaluation of what transpired over these 90 minutes and what has transpired each year at this stage of the tournament. Substitution in the 84th. Finally, David Silva is on and Rodri is off. This is a substitution that probably should have happened as soon as City were down 1-0. To be perfectly honest. At the very least by halftime. But. He's on. Leon counter by bringing on. Jeff Ryan Adelaide. He replaces Carl Toko Ikambi. A great game for Ikambi. 87th minute. And it is the nail in the coffin. But before that. Before we get there. We have the 86th minute. It is Gabriel Jesus down the right. He plays the ball square on the ground. Cross. All it needs is a little tap. It is Raheem Sterling alone in front of goal. And he does a Sergio Ramos slash Brian Ruiz. (laughs) At the very same end of the stadium where Brian Ruiz... Playing for those green and white stripes that play in that stadium. Lost the title in what, 2015, I want to say? Costa Rican Brian Ruiz had the same exact opportunity. The net was open. If I'm not mistaken, Ederson was in goal that day. Ederson's now on the other end of that. It's funny how uh, funny how that transpired. But it's the same exact end of the Alvalad. Brian Ruiz's shot is still in orbit today. Five years later. Raheem Sterling sends one into orbit. That ball was last seen over. Papua New Guinea. Still up there. That's how badly Raheem Sterling missed a wide open net. Cruel twist of fate for the England international. Who deserve better in this match. But definitely a sign because one minute later, one minute later, it's Muasa Dambele. And he makes it three to one and basically sends Manchester City out of Europe once again. It's that kind of game right there. These, This is how knockout matches and how 
cups are won and lost. World cups break down like this as well. This 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 Elite Eight has a lot of a World Cup knockout stage feel to it, doesn't it? Uh, to me, it feels a lot like it. And you got you got Bayern versus Barcelona, which feels a lot like Germany and Brazil from 2014. And this game is like your typical World Cup knockout match, where when there's an upset, and the original shot comes in on goal and Ederson makes an absolute meal of it. Okay. I don't know why he didn't either catch that or parry it far wide. He leaves it right there. And then Dembele with, he did nobody's talking about this. This was, this was not the easiest goal to put in. He comes in and slows his body down as he's running full speed at this ball, manages to slow himself down to use the proper technique and he just uses an exquisite technique to touch the ball with only enough force so that it goes past Ederson into the open goal he does not want to put it way over he does not want to put it in orbit he's not trying to break the netting he's just trying to get the ball over the line that type of technique at the other end for Raheem Sterling and this match would have been 2-2 and I'd bet everything that if it if 90 minutes ended 2-2, that Manchester City comes out on top in extra time on this one. But it's not. It's 3-1, and that is going to be the end of the match. And that is the end of the season for Manchester City. The European dream dies once again for Pep Guardiola and the citizens. And it's, it is a cruel, cruel game sometimes. Let's look at some stats. We haven't really gone over stats in too many of these matches but i'll read the stat line for this one possession everyone's favorite stat my least favorite 72 percent to the citizens 28 percent to leon leon win a knockout game by two goals with 28 percent total shots 18 from manchester city i won't even tell you how few leon had Chances created, City, 10 chances created, Leon, 4. Accurate passes. Here's another wonderful stat. City, 552 accurate passes, 87% pass success rate. That's what you work on all week in the training round, right? That's what's most important. Leon, listen to this. 177 accurate passes for Leon. Only 69% pass success rate. They definitely should have lost. Leon won the foul category. Leon committed 15 fouls to 13. Corners. Corners. City had 11 corners in this match. Three for Leon. Shots on target. Seven for City. Six for Leon. Blocked shots, City 5, Leon 1. Here's some interesting pass stats, okay? So it wasn't even like City were just playing, you know, in their defensive end with the ball. 552 total accurate passes. In their own half, 257 total passes. City completed more passes in their own half than Leon completed in the entire match. In the opposition's half, City completed 299 
passes. They attempted 637 passes. Leon in their in their 95 passes in their own half, 82 in the opposition's half. Long balls. Leon 67 long balls to 45 for for City. City's winning all of the statistics. So you get you know, you get analysts and you get apologists for Pep Guardiola talking about how it's just not his fault. You know, that the players miss, that the players are the ones who are at fault and that Pep put them on the field. He may have made mistakes, but he doesn't he's not the one that that you know, misses the goals. Well, to that I say, Pep didn't put a team on the field that was going to win today. Pep put a team on the field for whatever reason that was afraid of Leon. His tactics were afraid, even if they didn't know it at the time. Spanish newspaper reporter, or I should just say journalist, Guillem Balag, was on BBC, on BBC Five. He's a eternal apologist for Pep Guardiola, and he began right away with how you can't blame him. He didn't, he didn't miss the wide open goal like Sterling did. He didn't he didn't bobble the ball like like Ederson did. The other pundits kind of had a laugh at him. Said, "You're getting carried away. You're overdoing it now." Leon attempted 67 long balls. They only completed 25. Leon has no business winning this game if you go by statistics and you go by conventional wisdom and you go by what we've all been taught is important in this game. And I know I'm running late. I apologize. This this podcast is running really long. I know, and I'm gonna wrap it up. But Gambalag goes on and on and on and on about how it's not Pep's fault. Listen, you can't leave the type of players off the field, off the pitch that Pep left off the pitch in this game, and then still say that it's not his fault. Pep needs to be the first one and and I'm sure he knows that he made mistakes. A manager knows when they made mis- when they put the wrong team out there. Unfortunately for City, they're going to be watching the rest of this competition at home on television just like you and I. And that concludes this very long Champions League review show. Okay, be back in a couple days uh, after the semifinals. Before that, I'll be back with a Europa League review of their semifinals. And also, there is a, a Mr. Benfica dropping this week. I'm going to be reviewing Youth League match. UEFA Youth League quarterfinal Benfica versus Dinamo Zagreb. All right. That match took place today. I'll have that out in a couple days with uh, a review of that. Plus, Flamengo Nation. We'll have a couple episodes dropping this week, too. Check out Flamengo Nation on Spotify. Just go into your Spotify and search Flamengo Nation. All right. Help me get that podcast going. And don't forget every day to check out DGN's United. Leo's got picks for you every single day. And he picks winners. So if you want to make some money, if you like to play some money on football and any other sports, check out DGN's United every day. 
wherever you get your podcasts, or just go to dgensunited.com. All right, give them uh, give them some love. Uh, DGNs United now part of the PTB media family. All right, so Mr. Benfica, parking the bus, Flamingo Nation, and DGNs United are your PTB media network. I want to thank everybody who's still listening to me after this. Hopefully, everybody will have a good rest of the week. We'll enjoy the rest of the football that's on display. Europa League final will be Friday. Champions League final will be Sunday. And you'll be hearing a lot more from me as we get there. This has been the PTB UEFA Champions League review show. I am the Mr. Mike Agustino signing off. Have a great week, everybody. (laughs) 